Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsion, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I know we have a ton of new listeners coming into the podcast over the last few months. First of all, if you're listening to this, I just want to say thank you so much with all my heart for tuning into the show and supporting me, whether this is you know your first or second episode listening or whether this is the hundredth episode listening in and you've been with us for a while. Either way, I'm really, really grateful for your support. Over the last like few months, we've just seen exponential growth in the podcast. We've reached top 10 in multiple countries and on the running charts such as the United States, Canada, and Great Britain. So it's it's been super cool to see. And because we have so many new people listening into the podcast, um, I thought I would love to share some information about myself and a little bit of my story, my training philosophy, what I'm currently looking to do in my ultra career, and a little bit of context into my background, just because I think it's so awesome whenever I listen to a podcast to get to know the host a little bit more. So um, if you're new to the podcast, uh, this is going to be a treat for you. And if you're uh, returning to the podcast too, um, this might be a a little bit of a different spin on my story that I've shared on in the past because this is actually an episode that I did with my good friends Caleb Dilly and Ryan Heeman and they host the Run Lift Grow podcast and this was actually one of the first episodes um, that they released on it and I was honored to be one of the first guests on the show but yeah this was an episode from that amazing podcast which is a super cool one because it's not only a running podcast but it's also a strength training and a bodybuilding podcast as well notice the title run lift grow um, so it's super cool because you get the unique perspectives of running and lifting um, and but all of it encompasses growing as a human being which is super cool and they sh- they interview people um, from novice to elite athletes so they get tons of different unique perspectives so um, if you're interested in running if you're interested in lifting if you're interested in growing check out the run lift grow podcast and I'll put a link to the show in the show notes for sure but this is an episode that I did with Caleb and Ryan I just want to say thank you so much to those two for hosting me on the podcast and this is a repost of that episode Now, before we dive into the episode, one thing you're going to notice in my story here is that I did not have a running background at all. A lot of people see, you know, the the things that I'm doing today, and maybe it's easy to assume, oh, he might have been running cross country or track in high school, but I quite frankly did not have a running background. I've only been running for about four years, and the question that I get asked probably the most is, how did you make so much progress in a matter of four years to go from, you know, not running at all to placing top 10 male at Javelina 100, and, you you know, being able to do several hundred mile races and 100K races and all those kind of things. And there's so many different factors into there, but one of the biggest ways I've been able to leapfrog to success and how you can too is by working with a coach. And for me, I've worked with Zach Bitter for a little over a year and a half now, and he really has been the catalyst that has helped me to take my training, my racing, my running to the next level um, because he is known as one of the greatest ultra runners in the sport. I mean, he had the fastest 100 mile time in the world at one point and also most miles ran in 24 hours. He had that record at 1.2. So when it comes to being fast, when it comes to endurance, uh, Zach knows exactly what he's doing because he has been there and done that as well. And he's coaches tons of different athletes and has seen tons of different scenarios as well well in his own racing career that he translates for you know you if you're interested in working with him um, what's super cool is he has two different options for coaching he has pre-made training plans that are specific to a race distance that you're training for and then also the time frame that you would like to train as well as your experience background so for example if you're new to ultra running and you're training for a 50k and maybe you have 12 weeks to train Zach's got a plan for that training for a hundred miler that you're, but you're a little bit more of an expert and you got a little more time to train. He's got a plan for that. Totally pre-made, ready to go with all the workouts and uh, runs and training information all complete for you. But if you want a little bit more in-depth coaching too, he does do personalized coaching as well. And that's what I do with Zach is basically I give him all of the inputs into my life, whether it's my schedule, my stress levels, my, my goals, my current 
you know, uh, wants and desires, everything that I want, right, in my prior fitness, and he goes ahead and builds a schedule for me based on the race that I'm training for, and then we hop on coaching calls um, every now and then as well to kind of debrief and go into it as well, and you can kind of have those packages set up however as you want, because Zach is super flexible with that. So, so if you're looking for a training plan for your next race or a coach to work with, I 100% recommend working with Zach as he is absolutely amazing. And you can go to zachbitter.com slash coaching to see all of his options, or you can go to the link in the show notes to check out the pre-made training plans and his coaching options as well. Um, Zach has been monumental in my training, and I know he will be for you. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening, and let's get into the episode here. What's up, everybody? It's Caleb and Ryan. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're incredibly excited to welcome Joe Corsione to the Run, Lift, Grow podcast. Joe's an ultra runner and a podcaster who lives in Arizona. He burst onto the scene last year with a 10th place finish at the very competitive Havelina 100. He's also the weekly host of the Everyday Ultra podcast, where he brings on guests from the endurance world, as well as sharing his experiences in the sport. You're going to hear Joe's incredible story of how he progressed to where he is today, and what he has his sights set on. And to be very transparent, this podcast owes a lot to Joe. Um, I, I started listening to his podcast last year, and there's a particular episode, um, a local runner named Arjun Glick that was on his podcast, which is kind of how I first found out about Joe. And, you know, I listened to it. It was super informative. Um, Arlen told some really good stories on that. It was funny. And, uh, I just, the vibe that Joe put out was super welcoming, um, super open and a a really good um, showing of like what this trail community is all about. So Ryan and I had always had this dream to, to do a podcast and I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to send Joe an Instagram message and just see maybe, you know, maybe he won't even see it maybe. Uh, And what do you know? He responded right back, jumped on a phone call with me and, and really gave us some valuable tips and key points to get this podcast off the ground. So Joe, thank you for that. Uh, we owe a lot to you and uh, we're excited to have you here. So welcome to the Run, Lift, Grow podcast, Joe. Oh, well, hey, thank you so much for the intro, Caleb. That was absolutely amazing. And Ryan, thank you for having me on. Both of you, I know, uh, I put a lot of thought into that intro and it means a lot to, to hear all your kind words, your support, everything like that. And, uh, you know, I just want to commend you too, because it was super cool to hop on the call with you, Caleb, and hear about your ideas and everything. And so many times, right, we hear advice, we hear stuff like that, but very few actually do and implement it. And you're here, we're on the podcast together, making it happen. So I I just want to say I not only thank you for come allowing me to come on the show, but thank you for taking the advice and actually implementing it. And here we are on the show. So kudos to you, my friend. That's amazing. That's exciting. We're yeah, pumped. Absolutely. Yeah, Joe. Welcome, man. Uh, so if you would, let's just get right into it, man. Let let us know. So how how did this all start for you? How when did you get into running? How did you get into running? You know, what was your your inspiration and, and ultimately how did it lead to ultra distances? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny because every time I come on these podcasts now, like everyone expects me to kind of go through the traditional path of running, right? Saying, yep, I ran in middle school and I was on cross country. And then like after cross country, I went to college and ran for college and, you know, just kind of progress into running. Like my background is nothing like that at all. Absolutely nothing like that. In fact, it's quite frankly, pretty opposite than that. So growing up for me, I was insanely unathletic, like always picked last on every single pickup game, always was made fun of for the way that I like moved and my coordination and everything like that. And so like, I never really had a good relationship with athletics because quite frankly, I built the identity of myself that I just wasn't good at it. Um, And around that too, right. I always had that mindset of if I wasn't good at something, that was who I was like, that was uh, my fixed abilities. There was no way I could change those things. I was born this way. That's who I was. And so that's how I live my life, not just in sports, but in life in general. And because I live my life like that, uh, not only did it not allow me to pursue different sports or anything like that, it also led me to make some pretty irrational conclusions about myself and quite frankly, pretty depressing conclusions such as I wasn't good enough. I couldn't handle my own. I was ADHD kid and I was just super, super crazy. And so because of that, you know, I leaned on Adderall as a way to 
changed my mind in a way that I didn't think I could do on my own. And because of that, you know, I was taking Adderall all throughout school um, and it even bled into college as well. Um, and then, of course, once you get to college, you get introduced to a bunch of other cool new things, right? Like alcohol and drugs and cocaine and like a bunch of different crazy stuff. And I was like, you know what? Hey, all this stuff makes me feel good in a way that I don't think I can actually act if I was sober because I don't think I have those qualities. So let me keep taking those things. Long story short, ended up just getting way too much into that scene, blacking out, drinking out a lot and and really just, you know, exploring into drugs a lot more and uh, kind of developed a really, really unhealthy um, addiction to Adderall. Once I got to the point when I went to the doctors and they said, hey, you know, you're out of college, you're an adult, you don't need to be taking this right now. And I told him, I said, no, doc, I need to take this. And I remember the moment when that came out of my mouth, like it was almost like very, very insecure, just uh, that feeling inside of me, just knowing that I couldn't function in society without taking drugs. And so uh, fast forward to after that, I, I, you know, quit my job on Wall Street. I bombed a relationship that I was with for four years. And I was like in my parents' house, like staring at the ceiling and thinking, what the heck am I going to do with my life? And um, long story short, I knew I needed to change something immediately. And one of the big things that you do to change your life is your health. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to start getting healthy. I'm going to start lifting weights. I'm going to start running. And running was a part of my routine each week. I was running like three days a week, a mile each time, kick my ass every single time. Um, but it like felt cool to be out there and running. Now, I started to really challenge myself and sign myself for a 5K. And I signed up for the 5K, trained for that. And guess what? I couldn't even walk at all the day after the 5K. Trashed my legs, just totally trashed. Like was like, oh my gosh, that was so painful. But rewarding. I had realized, I said, wow, I'm not a runner and I just ran a 5K. I made that happen. What else is possible in my life? So because of that, I was able to progress to a 10K, to a half marathon, to a marathon, eventually spiraling into the ultra distance that we're here today. And it helped me to develop the belief that who you are today doesn't define who you are in the future, as long as you're willing to learn and put in the work. And mm. so now because of that, anytime I where I'm seeing I'm at in my life and I'm saying, hey, I'm not good at this. It's not, I'm not good at this period. It's I'm not good at this yet. And so that's the mindset I've developed. And to kind of bring it full circle with the drug stuff, I've been uh, over four years sober at this point, haven't touched a drop of alcohol, haven't had any Adderall, haven't had any kind of drug except for caffeine and a lot of caffeine, I might add. So <laughs> sure. full transparency on that. Um, yep. But that's what kind of brought me into this whole world and my whole journey and background. No, as a fellow caffeine junkie, I'm, I'm with you there. So in the beginning, yeah, let's. so if we go back a little bit, as you're working through that addiction process to where you come to the realization right? That you're they're at an age where maybe you're not going to allow yourself to make that be an excuse anymore. Did you have another person? Was it a family member, a friend, a resource that you were able to reach out to or someone that maybe reached out to you more from an intervention standpoint that said, hey, let's get it going. And somehow, rather than going and doing anything you could have done, you just you hit the road and started to run? Mm, yeah, it's a really, really good question. So like for me, like no one really came up to me and just kind of said, hey, you need to change these things or had an intervention. It was more like just a come to realization moment. Like again, when I was kind of staring at the ceiling, like I, for the first time, just kind of took stock of my life because I was kind of running by autopilot, just going by the fly of my pants, just living life however the hell that I felt like in the moment. And in that moment, I was able to really take a step back look at where I was at and then be honest with myself and just be like, dude, you're screwing this up. Like, what are you doing with your life right now? And it was really myself that I had to come to terms with. Now, in order of people who have helped me along the way, um, I know this is going to sound cliche and cheesy to some people, but like, this is part of the story and I'm just being honest. But uh, the first book that I had ever picked up that was anything in the self-help space was Tony Robbins. And mm -hmm. Tony was the one reading the pages. The book specifically was Unlimited Power, reading the pages in there really gave me the look that I can change who I was because I read this guy, Tony Robbins, who was overweight. He was poor. He was beat as a kid. He was, you know, just not in a good space at all. And he became Tony Robbins, super successful billionaire, businessman, super successful, super fulfilled, everything like that. And I said, wow, if this guy can do that. I mean, 
I can at least get sober and get clean and everything like that. And sure. so uh, I was a big fan of Tony's work and uh, read him a lot, got a tons of tapes from him. And then I even went to uh, one of his in-person events. And it was actually at that in-person event where I looked at the negative belief that was holding me back, um, that was dictating my life. And through the process of being there and just being in the environment um, and just shattering that belief with utter confidence, uh, the next day after that event is when I flushed my pills down the toilet and never took it again. So Tony's wow been a huge, huge mentor. And I say like, if you don't have mentors in your life directly on the caliber level of Tony Robbins, like I don't even know him personally, you can always find indirect mentors who are going to help you to try and solve the problem, whether it's through podcasts, books, seminars, anything like that. And again, you don't have to spend a crap ton of money like I did going to that seminar. You can listen <laughs> to podcasts or books and that's going to be just as impactful for you. So uh, I owe a lot to Tony Robbins for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, man. First off, thank you for sharing that. Uh, certainly. A lot of vulnerability there. Um, but I think through that story, you showed your strength and resiliency. Um, and I know that's something our listeners are going to take away from that. So so thanks for sharing that. You certainly didn't have to, but you chose to uh, because it's powerful, right? And it shows where you came from to where you are now. But the story is not over, right, Joe? There's there's still a lot to be written. And, and we're going to get into that. Um so so moving forward then okay so so you you did the 5k and then maybe a 10k and then a half and marathon and and I know that you you got into some some ironman um and OCR type of type of races uh but then you eventually progressed to to the ultras right um looking at your ultra sign up uh it's fun I think that's like my favorite part of doing some of these podcast interviews is jumping on ultra sign up and seeing all the races that you've done and then also I love that it lists the races that you have upcoming for the year. Um, so I just want to uh, to jump to maybe the first ultra that you did. And, and listen, we don't we, you don't have to give a super in depth account, but um, why did you pick that McDowell race? Uh, was it was it proximity to where you live? Uh, was it one that someone had recommended to you? Um, was there something special about that for your first ultra? Yeah, no, great question on there. So yeah, my first like official trail running race, as you're mentioning, is the McDowell Mountain 50 miler uh, here in Arizona. So for those listening, I live in Phoenix right now. Uh, the McDowell Mountain Frenzy is just right outside of Scottsdale, super, super close to me. And to be honest, like, there was no like special thing about that trail or about that race for me. I signed up for that because number one, it was 50 miles. And number two it was in December. And number three, it was in my location. And for me, I was kind of like in that point in my life where I was just like, I'm not going to overthink it. I'm not going to be like, Oh, should I do this race, this race, this race? I was like, what are the three most important things? I want to do a 50 miler. I want it to be close and I want it to be in December so I can train uh, adequately enough to get there. And so I saw the first one on there and I said, okay, done, good. And just kind of signed up. Didn't look anything about the elevation profile, the race, <laughs> like nothing like that. I was just like, Hey, I want to make this happen. And so I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to jump in. And that's like always something that I suggest, you know, when people start to get into a goal or anything, it's like, don't overthink the small stuff, like, like commit to it. Like don't, cause if you just kind of think about the details and blah, 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 and all those things, but you don't actually lock it in and take the action, usually it never gets done or it doesn't get as done quickly and you don't make as much progress. Like I always say speed over perfection any time of the day. Mm. Um, and so, uh, that was kind of my mindset on there, but that was a, a super special race. Cause it introduced me to, uh, my good friends at era Viper running, um, Shout incredible out. running organization, just amazing. Um, but it introduced me to that community community here in Arizona, which was super, super cool. Why that race was so special was it was my first ever running ultra. And, uh, you know, I got my butt kicked. Like, you know, I came in and like, I don't know, 20 something place or whatever, like not, not a good time, pretty slow, but like at like mile 30, they send you up this like giant peak in, in the, uh, McDowell mountain range out there. And that was my first time ever doing any kind of vert like that. And my legs were just shredded and just destroyed for the next 20 miles. I had stomach issues. Like I did everything wrong in the book. I had blisters. Like it was just not good. And, uh, but it was great because I learned so much. Yeah. And, uh, even though I sucked at a lot of things, I learned a lot of things. And so, uh, that race will forever have like a place in my heart. I'm hoping to race it again, actually this year and kind of get my revenge on it and see what I can do. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was my thought process behind the McDowell 50. Awesome. You know, looking at the also sign up, I was talking with Ryan beforehand, before you jumped on the call and really the thing that jumped out to me. So, um, I know you ran the Zion 100 and I didn't see it on ultra. So I went to their website to, to find the result there. And, 
And that was your first 100 miler, as mm-hmm. I'm right. That's yep. correct, yeah. So you ran a pretty killer time. And, and I, I know I've heard you talk about this before, uh, but you came in at 23.53 under, under that kind of like everyone wants to hit under 24 hours, right? So you, you got that. Um, and you can kind of touch on, I know that was kind of a tough race for you. But the progression, Joe, holy smokes, from April running a 23.53 to a 16.36 at Havilene 100. Can you talk about the progression of almost a seven-hour improvement? Now, was some of that partly due to um, the course, the elevation profile, um, or was some of that, or was most of it due to you really dialed your nutrition, you dialed your training? Um, can you speak to that? Yeah, great question on there. Thank you for the kind words and uh, and everything like that. So yes, that Zion race was tough for sure, and I had to sprint in the last like like. I don't even know the last like 30 seconds to make it past 24 hours. And it's funny because right before then, like I was not mile 97. I literally was like crying because I didn't think I could finish. And I was three miles away. And thankfully my friend now, Vasil is his name. I met him at Zion, but he's local in Phoenix and we're friends now. Um, but he picked me up on the trail and he's like, dude, come on, run with me. Let's go. Dude's looking strong, looking amazing. And, uh, I ran the last three miles. Like when I thought I could quit. And then once we saw that we were close to 24, we started running. So like, uh, just to give some impetus on that, cause I was like an important moment saying you can still run on trash legs. So that was an important thing that I took into Havelina kind of going into there. Now, the big discrepancy with time, I will say Havelina is a much flatter course for sure. Um, the elevation profile at Zion was about 12 K of gain. And then, uh, Havelina comes out to about like five or six, I want to say. So mm-hmm. about half, uh, the gain on there. Now I will say though, definitely got a lot more things locked down and I would actually, um, take a lot of my success to, um, getting better in terms of nutrition, pacing, fitness, everything like that. Um, so there's a, few big things that I did. So the first thing was I locked in on Havelina. And so when I was doing Zion, like I also did like a 50 mile race in between it and everything like that. And so um, was kind of doing some other stuff and everything like that. But I said, you know what, from Zion all the way to Havelina, it's going to be about Havelina. And that was April to October. So that's a big time frame. Usually you're doing other races on there, but I said, you know what, I really want to lock in on this specific race. So that was number one. Number two, I was like, I need to get nutrition down to AT because every single race that I've been in, I have screwed up my stomach. And uh, man, if you've ever had stomach issues like in an ultra, it's way worse than any kind of pain in your legs or anything like that. So I knew I needed to lock that in. Um, So that was number two. Number three was I need to get fit. I need to get fast. And so uh, I, you know, I work with my coach, Zach Bader, and I worked with him leading up to Zion as well. But I sat down with him and I said, hey, man, I want to win this golden ticket. Like, no joke. Like, I don't care what you tell me right now. Like you can tell me I'm crazy. You can tell me I'm nuts, but what is it going to take to get there? Like, I don't, I don't care if it's going to be crazy stuff. Like tell me what it's going to take to get there. And we devised a plan to really show what it was going to take to get there. A lot of speed work, a lot of intervals, a lot of time on the course, a lot of heat acclimation. And so basically over the course of like eight months, I just took it so, so seriously. Practice my nutrition on every single run. Practice uh, staying cool in the heat. I was running out in 110 degrees here in Arizona because I wanted to be heat acclimated. I was doing speed working sessions that made me feel like I was going to puke at the end, but I knew that it was helping me to get better. And ultimately, here's the thing though, like I can go through all the strategies and everything like that. And if you want to like touch on anyone specific, I'd be happy to do so. Um, But I think the biggest thing, honest to God, was the belief system that I had in myself. And what I mean by that is a lot of people like times they'd be like, oh, like, what's your goal for Javelina? I was like, golden ticket. Like, no joke. The look that I would get is like, dude, you're freaking crazy. Like you just ran like a 24 hour ultra at like a decent course. Like, and you think you're going to go golden ticket there. And I was like, yeah, hundred percent. I really do. And I think having that belief allowed me to continue to stay in the game, to continue to work on my failures, to continue to push on and really just see what I was capable of and knowing that where I am, I can always get better. And because of that, I showed up every single day and everything like that. So I think having the belief that is the biggest thing in any kind of goal that you need in your life. If you if you don't believe that you can get better, not the belief that you can do it, because that's cheesy, that's trite. Like you can do it. Like no one no one resonates with that. Yeah. Everyone re- can resonate though with you can get better. You can get better. You can progress. You can learn. And so for me, that was the kind of mantra that really set it off. But obviously, nutrition, fitness, everything kind of came down the line. Happy to go deeper on those things, but belief was the most important thing. 
No, that's good stuff. So let's so heading into Black Canyons, and you said you know as far as how you made Havelina kind of specific for your training, right? And started to really dial it in. So then now knowing what you're about to get into, what will that training phase look like? How much time will you dedicate? And, you know, mental preparation, physical preparation, do you run yourself through the course mentally understanding kind of what you're going to have to deal with and when you're going to have to deal with it and then somehow pair your training to match that or what's, what's, what's your approach there? Yeah, hundred percent. So I always think no matter what you're training for, and this doesn't just apply for running, it applies for life is no matter what you're training for is get specific as possible in terms of the training that you are doing, right? We talk all the time. If you want to like deadlift 700 pounds, deadlift. If you want to be able to run, you know, uh, a like a certain course, run a similar course. Now for me, thankfully, Havelina 100 is in the McDowell's, same space as that 50 miler, very close to me. I said, you know what? Every single long run, I'm running on that course whenever time I can. So I was running on there every single weekend. I had the local legend by like, I don't even know, like, like 20 or 25, like routes on Strava or something like that. Like no one was even close. And I told myself, I was like, I want to know this course better than anyone out there because I have access to it and I'm going to get better at it. Now, anyone listening here, if they're training for a race and they don't have access to the course, that's totally cool. Find something as close as possible to that race terrain that you can get. And I promise you, it's going to be so beneficial. A lot of times people will train on road, 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 and then they get to a trail race and then they're not used to that technicality. They're not used to that footwork. They're not used to any of those things. And it screws them up. That's why you see super fast road athletes crumble at some of these trail events because they're not getting specific enough. Specificity is truly what matters. And again, if you don't have access to the course, you need to make it as specific as possible. So you have to drive, you know, a certain, you know, place to get as specific, like get there too. For me also, I needed to simulate the heat. And so I knew it was going to be around 80 degrees on that day. That's pretty hot. And I was like, I'm training in the summer. It's going to get hot. I'm going to run out in hundred degrees. Cause my theory is like, if I can cool myself down in hundred degrees, I can cool myself down in 80 degrees, no freaking problem. And so it was just getting super specific on that. And I guess all this is to say, is I was simulating the conditions on race day as much as possible. I was even simulating, hey, I'm going to need to push when I'm tired. So during my training, I push when I'm tired. Hey, I'm going to need to simulate my aid, my aid station strategy. So I set up like an aid station in my car, timed it out like that and said, okay, this is the time I need to be spending it and everything like that. You need to rehearse race day as much as possible in your training uh, so you can really execute it on race day. But here's the most important thing. You also need to execute it in your mind. And so for me, every time I was running, I was visualizing me passing people. I was visualizing me feeling strong. I was visualizing me crossing that finish line. And I would get like literal tears in my eyes every time I would cross like that, like hypothetical finish line. So that when I was there at Javelina, I felt like I was just, I was like, I've done this before. I've been here and I felt confident. I felt strong. And I think that helped as well. So you need to prepare both uh, specific in the real world, so to say, and also in your mind when you visualize um, it. So when you get to race day or whatever challenge that you're going for, ultimately it feels familiar and you feel more confident on that start line. Man, that's so good, Joe. So the, the one thing that you said that kind of stuck out to me, the visualization. Uh, so I'm a golfer and there's this famous mm. sports psychologist uh, Bob Ortella, right? He's super, super famous for a lot of pros on the PGA tour. And in his biggest thing, right. That, that he, that he talks to these pros about is exactly what you just said. Sure. You can put lots of time on the range. That's important. You got to have those reps. You got to have that muscle memory, but one of the most important things to unlocking potential is your mind. So visualizing the shot and then transitioning that to running, visualizing the course. I love how you said you would visualize passing people on the course, um, that's not something that I've heard from a lot of podcasts that I've, that I've listened to in the, in the running, um, in the running world. So I think that's a really great thing for our listeners to take into account when you're prepping for your next race, take this little tip from Joe and, and see how it works. I think that is so good. Yeah. And one thing I want to caveat on this too. So I actually had a uh, podcast interview last night with my friend, Brett Hornig. So Brett, oh, nice. if you're unfamiliar with him. He came in fifth place at Javelina. So he beat me by not only five spots, but also three hours. The dude ran like a 1345 or some, some, some crazy like that. And I asked him, because on the podcast episode, I said, hey, like, you know, what were some keys to your success? And so visualization was one of the things that he mentioned in there. And so here's one thing I would do differently. And what I'm going to be doing differently in two weeks heading into Black Canyon coming up real is instead of visualizing feeling good, visualize feeling bad 
and how you're going to deal with it. And I thought, wow, that's so genius. Because if you visualize yourself feeling good all the time, if you don't feel good out there, you're screwed because you're like, oh no, like I'm not used to this. This isn't good. But where ultras are one is how you manage the problems when things go bad. And so he was saying, I would visualize myself like my legs just getting so, so tired. And I would visualize myself stronger. I would visualize my stomach blowing up and uh, all the things that I need to do to mitigate that. I would visualize a big blister on my foot. And so I was like, wow, that's so genius. Because to me, my legs... Uh, it, during Havelina got way more sore than I'd ever expected. And I didn't know how to manage that. And I think that was the big kind of, uh, again, I do see the, but I think I could have done so much more better if I managed the sore legs way, way more because I just didn't visualize it. I didn't expect it. So that's something I'm changing and want something I wanted to uh, let the listeners in on that good stuff um, as I'm using that going into Black Canyon. In terms of those super sore legs, I, I can't possibly imagine the distances that y'all talk about. And obviously, yeah, mentally understanding that you're going to hit some walls to have to break through to be able to continue to go, especially when you're talking, trying to hit certain time requirements or, you know, sprint to a finish line, right, to, to get into that sub 24. But you also have to have some great muscular endurance to, to do that. How do you approach kind of your strength training and your, your fitness training? You know, I understand, obviously, you got a great lung capacity, no doubt, but clearly indifferent of how strong your mind is, you still got to throw one foot in front of the other, right? So what's your what's your approach now that you've had some of these big races under your belt and you're continuing to set super high goals? Have you changed kind of the way you train or the way you try and prepare your body? Yeah, 100%. And it, that is such like a thing that is not as sexy in the running world, right? Like lifting weights is just not something that's even thought of in the running world. And everyone kind of poo-poos it and everything like that. But like, it is such a good benefit. Um, Just to rewind too, even before I got into the ultra scene, I was in the Ironman scene and I did run, bike and swim. And I didn't even touch a weight for like a year, like wow. didn't even touch a weight. What ended up happening is I got like the worst IT band syndrome like ever that was just so painful every time I even walked um, and I was just a wreck. And the reason why I was a wreck was because I had weak glutes that were just making my body super imbalanced and I was just getting so freaking injured that like I couldn't even run. And so that was a big wake up call for me because like I thought I was like, oh, I'm injured because I'm overdoing it. No, you're injured because your muscles aren't strong. And when your muscles aren't strong, you create imbalances and ultimately you get injured. And so the number one important thing, like I even think even before like endurance, before fitness, before anything else is staying healthy. And so I said, okay, well, in order to stay healthy, if I have to strength train, that's going to be a must for me. I'm going to have to do this. And so for me, I would incorporate, and this was even in the lead up to Zion. This is a lead up to Havelina. Um, I would go to the gym at least once a week, twice ideally. And that's really all it needs for runners, so to say, once a week uh, or twice um, during the week. And I would focus on some pretty core movements. So squats, deadlifts, um, lunges, uh, step ups calf raises, um, banded exercises and banded sidesteps. I would just do those consistently for at least once a week, ideally twice. And that would not only uh, allow me to, uh, really prevent injury, but also allow me to get stronger. I noticed by doing those things, my climbs were getting longer. Um, my climbs, I wasn't burning out on the climbs as much. I was able to handle my quads kind of taking the brunt of the downhills a lot more. I was able to build a lot more muscular endurance, um, not just mental, but muscular endurance as well. And even so I've upped my training a lot more to have more uh, load onto my muscles. So bleeding up to Havelina, it was very much more like PT style, like low weight, high rep kind of stuff. Now I'm doing more heavier weights. So I'm picking up barbells, like I'm, you know, doing a lot more weight on the bar. And because of that, I find myself being able to trudge up a mountain way quicker and way more uh, comfortably than I would in the past. Like before I would like you know, run up a mountain and my quads would just be freaking smoked. Now that I'm using my glutes, they're more activated. Like I'm feeling a lot more stronger. I'm not burning out on those climbs. And I can run up this one mountain that, you know, I would have to inevitably hike on like six months ago. Um, now I can run up it. And I even got like a crown on the segment too, which is like super cool. And I owe it all to strength training. So um, if you're a runner, please strength train, if anything, to keep you injured, also to perform better. And you only need to do it one time a week. That's it. And uh, that's kind of like my routine. And I stay pretty good on that as much as possible. Yeah. I think one time a week is, is very reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I, I kind of love what you said there. You know, I was going to dive in a little bit more and, and ask you, but you already answered it specifically, like what your reps and sets looked like. I think sometimes, um, and not just for runners, but for, for people going into the gym, um, we tend to get stuck into this. Okay. 
I need to do three sets of 10. Mm-hmm. And if you dive into research, right, if you dive into the literature, there's really not a lot of literature that backs up three sets of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of glad that you touched on that. Um, and I think that's just a point for our listeners. Um, obviously, like if you're wanting to build strength, that those sets and reps are going to look different than if you're wanting to build endurance. So it's important to know what your goal is. And that's going to alter number one, what specific exercises you're focusing on. Um, and as Joe mentioned, like you know, squats, deadlifts, there's a very um whole functional body movements. Um, mm-hmm. Joe, do you do you do any type of isolated um single leg squats, any type of uh isolated for your legs? I'm just curious. Yeah. So I will do like single leg squats. Now I, I still, I don't know what it is. I just think I just have like weak glutes or something. Like I can't do like a full range of motion squat on a single leg. So I'll usually like put a box underneath me and I'll kind of like, you know, have that box as support for my butt coming down, but it works for me. And I progress the weight and everything like that. One day I'll be able to do single leg squats. Like I said, I'm not good at this yet, uh, which is something I always tell myself. Um, but that's usually a big thing I do too. I used to do RDLs actually a lot. I think RDLs are one of the best exercises for runners. They're absolutely amazing. Unfortunately though, I haven't been able to do them too, too much recently because I've been dealing with some like high hamstring tendinopathy and like that exercise just really, really irritates it for me. So I've had to put that on the back burner. But once that gets healed up, I'm going to be putting those in my routine. And like, those were the ones where I was like, these are the money. Like these are amazing. Um, I miss them so, so much. Um, and so RDLs and like single leg assisted, uh, squats, so to say, um, are really the, the two single leg stuff. I do need to get a little bit more in tune with that because I realized something that I'm coming to learn more is like, if you train on the double leg things and like one of your legs is imbalanced, ultimately you are just making the imbalance worse because you are essentially like loading them the same way. And if you're making the one strong leg stronger, like just as much as you are strengthening the other one, you're just going to make that amount so much worse. So uh, single leg stuff is something that I'm looking to go a lot more in um, because of that reason. I don't want to make any imbalances worse, especially when I got a, a bum hamstring right now. Yeah, and I think that speaks, you know, understanding your limits. To me, that speaks a lot to understanding our ego, right? Because when mm. you go when you go into the gym, right, there's just a gym culture in itself, right? And everybody just wants to lift as heavy as they can, as hard as they can, and different of what your goals are. And I think that understanding when you have specific goals, like we're talking about, and these runs and these plans that you're making for yourself in a specific time period and a phasic approach that you're taking to it, it wouldn't make any sense for you to go in and try to do things that don't make sense for your plan. And I think often athletes in general just got caught up with it from an ego standpoint and they Mm -hmm. want to get stronger, faster, and they kind of lose focus on why they're there in the first place, right? Whether it's overtraining, undertraining, or just the movements themselves and doing something that's not going to make you a better ultra marathon runner. Or in my case, there's certain movements that aren't going to make you a better bodybuilder, right? If I'm, if I'm risking my health doing heavy, heavy, heavy one rep maxes, that's not going to help my muscle grow. And if anything, it's going to increase my chance of injury. And so just like mm-hmm. you're saying, you know, if you're trying to take care of your hip flexors or your hamstrings, you have to be very careful, right? There's there's ways to strengthen them, but there's also easy ways to hurt yourself. And, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier and it made me think, you know, I would say the best ability is availability, right? So if you go and hurt yourself and you can't run that next run because you were trying to do something super aggressive or beyond what you should have been doing from a training standpoint, well, then it was all for naught. And so definitely keeping yourself healthy and in the game so that you can make it to that competition is super huge. And I think our egos have a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that, right? Because like that is the most important thing. Like I said before, more than fitness, more than anything else. Like if you're not, if you're not healthy on that start line, it doesn't matter how fit you are. You can't even run that race. So like that should be the number one priority as well. And I love that thing. It's like, don't let your ego get into it. It's something I've learned to be better on as well. And I've been working with my coaches and, you know, both my coaches have been really, really adamant to me about this. And they know that I'm a very headstrong guy. And I'm like, I don't care if I feel like crap, I'm going to do this workout anyways. But even this week, so I had to call my coach this morning and we're talking about the taper period. And he was saying, he's like, Joe, you have a race next Saturday. Please. If you're feeling tired, if you're feeling sore, if you're not feeling good, pull it back. And he was like, he like looked at me. I could like see him like through the screen. He's like, pull it back. And I was like, okay, you got it. Yes. Understood hundred percent. And so, um, you got to be able to table the ego because in the world of Strava and Instagram, and, you know, we want to look like, yeah, I went out and ran 10 miles today. And like, if you, people don't see that you like ran as 
as much today or ran as hard. Like, you know, your ego is like, oh, like there goes like my look. I look like today I did a pretty slow run and, you know, I consider myself a decently fast guy, more or less. Um, there's way people faster than me, but like today I ran with something like slow relative. It was like a, you know, 12 minute pace, like with some incline. And in my head, I was like, you know, the thought comes in, it's like, oh, what are people going to think about this? But I said, eh, you know, screw it. Like this is, I took this easy. It's my taper week. I'm going to feel good in the black Canyon. I don't care what anyone says, screw it, go easy, take it that route. Ego, shut up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joe, go easy. We want you to get that golden ticket. Exactly. Thank you. See, this is what I need right here. This is why I'm on this podcast. I love That's it. That's right. That's right. I want to jump back real quick. Um, and I guess this this kind of goes into to Black Canyons too, but so let's zoom out, right? So what five, six years ago, Joe, you, you weren't really running. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Around five or six years ago. Um more, more so like four years ago. Four so years four. ago. Yeah. There we go. Okay, that makes this even more impressive to me. Uh four years ago. And now in October, dude, you were running. And maybe you can talk about this this first loop specifically at Havelina, but you were running that first loop with Arlen, with John and Rhea, with with Devin Yanko, with with Curry, like all these crazy, incredible athletes. And that's not to say, Joe, you're not an incredible athlete. You are, but for you, was there a moment of I'm kind of starstruck? Do I belong here? What's happening? Am I going too fast? <laughs> Oh, hundred percent. And I'm so, I, I'm, I'm literally getting chills thinking about that moment. Cause it was one of the coolest moments of my life. So I'm so glad you brought that up. So yeah, for context, like, so I started like right in the beginning uh, of, of Havelina. Like I was like right at like the start of that uh, start line and I had Arlen next to me, which by the way, shout out Arlen, dude, like one of the nicest, most awesome guys I've ever met in the trail running community. And, uh, he's like a huge inspiration to me. And like, I look up to that guy. Like when I think about like a, and you know, say what you want about like, you know, don't worship your idols or blah, blah, blah. But like, when I look at like runners in terms of, you know, how I want to perform both on the trails, off the trails, like everything like that, like Arlen is probably like the guy who I look up to the most. And so super cool. I'm on the line with him. He's right next to me and everything like that. And uh, I'm like, wow, this is like super, super cool. Uh, Gun goes off and we just start screaming out the gate, just running. And I'm running, I'm feeling good. But I take a look at my watch and I see the pace. It's like 650. And I'm like, whoa, like, hold on a second. Like you were saying uh, before, Ryan, got to put the ego to the side. I was like, you know what? No, that's too fast. Let's back off a bit. So I peeled back a little bit, but I was still running pretty hard. Now, uh, Arlen and Patrick Reagan and a lot of like the guys ahead, they were just kind of running and I was just kind of locked in, just not really paying to who was near me. I start running up ahead and all of a sudden I see like Arlen getting up off the ground and he's like wiping himself off. And I was like, Oh, I was like, you all right, man. He's like, yeah. Like I just like fell and hit my face and like, here I am. So I was like, Oh shit. Like now, now I'm running with Arlen. Like, this is like pretty cool. Like, okay, cool. I start running with Arlen and then pretty soon as I'm like running all of a sudden right next to me is like Dakota Jones. And I was like, Oh my gosh, Dakota Jones. And I was like, I start just having conversations. I was like, do I say something? I was like, yeah, like, let's just talk to him. I was like, Hey man, how's it going? He's like, Hey, like, you know, we're chatting. Like he's telling me about like his normal sponsorship with Killian. Like we're just having this a conversation. And then all of a sudden, like I, I hear the voices behind me. It's Patrick Reagan, Matt Daniels, Jonathan Reyes in front of me. And that's the moment when I realized I was like, oh my gosh, I'm running with like some of my heroes right now and some of the best in the sport. And it was so funny because I looked down at my watch and I see the pace and it's like 7.15, which is way too fast. But in my head, I was like, I don't care. I don't care. Like this moment is so, so cool. Like, like when do you ever get to run with like the people that you look at in the sport? And, you know, it's funny because you asked, you said like, did I get the things in my head that said, oh, do I deserve to be up here? quite frankly, it was kind of the opposite. It was like, wow, I've gotten to the point where I can run with these guys. Like, this is amazing. And like, that was like one of the biggest confidence boosts for me ever. Cause I was like, holy crap, like this is reality. This is like what I dreamed about. Like I'm running with these guys. And it was super cool. Cause I finished that first loop, like ahead of Patrick Reagan, like right, you know, under Arlen, like really, really close into there. Now the rest of the race, 
they all peeled out ahead of me for the most part. I did end up beating some of those guys in there, which was super cool. But like a lot of them kind of went into there. And did I go out like hard in the beginning? Sure. Absolutely. Would I trade it? No, absolutely not. Because now every time in my mind, I think about that and I'm like, wow, I built myself up to the point where I can run with these guys. Even if it was only for 25 miles, I don't care. That's freaking awesome. And so that was like one of like the coolest and most confidence boosting moments of my life. And I, and I say that because not to brag, but I say that for any types of moments where you have those moments where you see your skill set, don't let that imposter syndrome come in. And I'm not saying you're not going to get it because I get it all the time too. I even got it in the middle of Javelina kind of midway through, but you want to like also take it for as it is and see it as a value of who you are today and be like, this is where I'm at right now. I deserve to be here because I put in the work and use it as a confidence building block as opposed to something to discourage you to lowering back to the level that your, you know, ego or mind or whatever you want to call it wants to bring you back to because that's not you. You are where you're at and the results that you're putting out. That's what you deserve because you've gotten there. Man, that just makes me happy to hear that. That's mm-hmm. that's such a cool story. And and quite frankly, like that couldn't have happened to a better guy, Joe. So I'm excited, well, you. hopefully for that experience too at Black Canyons when, when you're running and you start to look around and you, you see those familiar faces and names now and, and you'll be like, you know what? There's no doubt that, that I belong. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really cool. Cause like, yeah. Cause like now I don't get that imposter thing and I'm getting that thing. Now I belong now. Like I had that experience. It was super cool. Did I go out a lot of hot javelina because of it? Probably. So I'm actually going to be like taking it down a little bit more, um, probably at black Canyon at the start. I don't think I'm going to scream out that like big in the beginning. Um, and, uh, I think, it kind of goes back to like the experiences that you collect. And so for me, uh, one of the reasons why I went out so fast at Javelina was because I didn't, I never had the experience of like feeling good at the end of the ultra. Now, I don't think anyone really feels great at the end of an ultra. I wanted to feel like somewhat okay. And I felt horrible at the end of Javelina. And so uh, the reason why that was is funny because I sat down with my coach and then, you know, we we came with the pacing plan and everything like that. And we were like, yeah, you're going to run your fifth loop, the fastest that you've run. That's the plan. You're going to stick to it. I ran that fifth loop, the slowest by far out of any other loop because I went out so freaking hot in the first two loops. And the reason why I did that and we kind of worked through this coaching is because even though like I, that was the plan, I was like, I don't think that's going to happen. So I might as well just like run my heart out in the beginning. I'm going to be sore no matter what at the end. And so like, what's like the logic of running conservative in the beginning? And my coach told me, he said, the reason why you did that is because you don't have the experience of feeling that way at the end of an ultra. And so for me at Black Canyon, I really want to get that experience of feeling a little good at the end. So now I know in the future, I can say, oh, at Black Canyon, like I took it a little slower in the beginning, but I felt great at the end. So now I know in the ultras in the future, I can go through those things. So it's like you need to collect those experiences so you can bank on them for the strategies for what you're going in the future. And that's kind of like my goal with Black Canyon. Hopefully I listen to it. I don't know. I get trigger happy pretty <laughs> easy on that star line. So we'll see what happens. But uh, hold me to it, guys. I, I need to go a little more conservative in the beginning. You got it. You know, it makes it makes me think back to last year's race and and I believe Scott Treyer for the first half of that race was setting in, and and I'm probably thinking of the wrong place, like 20, 15th to 20th place. Yeah. And he ends up winning the race. And I think there's a documentary that came out about that where he mm-hmm. talks about, um, he, he kind of talks about that process. And I think in, he's like, no, I'm like going conservative for sure on this first half and then kicking it in on the final, uh, on the final end of the race. So when you were talking about that, it made me think of last year's race. Um, did that have any, any, uh, play into, into your strategy this year? I don't know if, if you, maybe you've seen that documentary, I forget the name of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the documentary is called fine line. And I actually ah, just, it. I literally just saw it a few days ago. And it's funny because it was like right after I ran with, uh, I, I ran with Scott Treyer last Sunday and uh, was just asking him some tips about like the race. He's he's in Phoenix too. And, you know, uh, we're friends here, which is super cool. But I asked him, I said like, hey, like, what is your thing? He's like, go out slow, go out slow. And he was like, telling me, I was like, what are the tips you have? He's like, watch a documentary. I talk all about it. Like, just 
we'll watch it. It's great. And so I watched it and he was saying, yeah, I'm going to go out slow. I'm going to go out slow. And yeah, he was in 20th place and kind of creeped up. And I go to this philosophy of like success leaves clues. If someone is doing a strategy to get to somewhere, there is a likely chance that you can replicate, if not the exact thing, somewhat of that path to get the result that you want. So for me, like that's why with Arlen Glick, how I got so curious about him was because at Javelina the year before he won, he came in first place and ran a beautiful race. So I was looking at, you know, all the things he was doing, trying to like see, like listen to all the content I was and even just had him on the podcast asking his mind. It's like you need to find the people who are doing what you want to do and seeing what they're doing. What are their keys to success? Because I believe for the most part that if someone else can do it, so can you. Now, people have different genetics. People have different backgrounds. Like I'm not discounting any of those things for sure, right? It's not a cookie cutter approach to anything in life, but I do believe success leaves clues. And, you know, Scott Trayer, even though he did it at Black Canyon, he's not the only one who I've seen done it as well. Nick Curry, he's a master at negative splitting. Um, I've seen other people come from behind and climb up on races. And I know that's kind of the way to go. So when I hear that, it's another confirmation to me saying, oh, this is a strategy worth trying. Because if you hear it once, it's good advice. But if you hear it twice or see it happen three or four more times, it's essential advice. And so that's kind of like the big thing that I kind of take into my life and that's the clues I've been seeing. So hoping, uh, hoping Scotty's advice plays off. And Scott, if you're listening to this, man, I'm don't worry. I'm not pinning my success on you and you're, you're, fi- you're fitter than me anyways. So we'll see what, we'll see what I can do. No, that's good stuff. I just have a question. I want to get into your brain a little bit. You as a competitor, when it comes to picking your races, would you rather create a bucket list of one-time races that you could check off to say you did it? Or do you think you'd ever want to go back and, and race faster at a previous race. How, how would you map that out? If, if you could pick, do you just, do you have a formal or informal list of races you just want to complete? Or do you know you want to do them once and you know, for sure you want to go back to try and do them even better? Yeah, it's such a good question, man. I love this question so, so much. Cause I think it's just so important to like find what works best. So I want to preface this thing by saying like, everybody's different. Like the way that I approach it is because it brings me enjoyment. It brings me excitement. It brings me fulfillment, right? Um, if you really like a race and you want to race it every single year to see what you can get better, if that's what brings you joy, go ahead and do that. If you want to be a one and done on every single race, go ahead and do that. So I always say like, wait, comes to like race schedule or anything, do the thing that brings you most joy. Now, what brings the most joy for me um, right now is competition and like really, really just being in highly, highly competitive races for me. So like, um, and it's funny because if you asked me this question like two years ago, I would have said, yeah, I'm not going to do the same race twice because like, why waste my time? But in the end of the day, now my goal is I want to be one of the best ultra runners in the world. And so it's like, okay, well, in order to be one of the best ultra runners in the world, what is that going to take? Well, you need to race in highly competitive races. Now there's really, I mean, there's tons of ultra races. There's really only a handful that are like super, super competitive golden ticket races included. Um, So for me, like right now, I'm really prioritizing on being in these super, super competitive races. So that means in some cases coming back and repeat. So I'm doing Javelina again this year. That'll be the first race that I ever do twice, which is super cool. Um, But I want to go in there because I want another shot at winning the damn thing. Like that's what I want. And I also want to do a better time as well, all for the goal of being one of the best uh, ultra runners in the world as well. And the cool thing is like, I have also have a list of all the races I want to race. And I have that mapped out, honest to God, for the next eight years. I literally have like my race schedule mapped out for like the next eight years. Now I know things can change. I know things can change. And I understand that it's not like locked in, but I'm like, Hey, here's the path that I can do it because I have all these like bucket list races. And I know at least if I map it out in an eight year timeline, I can be like, Oh, I'm going to get to it eventually. So I never get this kind of like fear of FOMO or anything like that, but I'm always looking long-term strategy. And right now, the number one goal that dictates the schedule that dictates what I do, is it competitive? And is it going to help me become one of the best in the world? If the answer is yes, and it fits in my schedule and what I'm doing, I'll be there at that start line. Right on. You know, Joe, we, we got to get you out here to Ohio, maybe a little burning river action, a little canal corridor, a little fast, fast, flat hundred miler. That way we can see you in person and, and hang out a little bit. <laughs> I would love to do canal corridor so much. Like it was funny because Arlen, uh, the day after Javelina, I went to lunch with, um, it was me, Arlen, Zach Bitter, who's my coach, uh, and Nick Curry. And all of us were were at lunch and, and Arlen was trying to spin up this idea of just having a Flatlander showdown in, in yes. uh, 
canal corridor of just like, uh, and he was saying it was like Zach, uh, Nick and him. And in my head, I'm like, I want to be there too. Like that would be like freaking sick. So if like that happens, like that would be cool to to do it too. But yeah, I I want to try one of the Ohio races. Like Arlen was talking up um uh Mohican, like oh. that looks super cool. Like I mean Burning River looks amazing. I almost put it on my race schedule this year. Um I was as I was telling you about that. Um, so I'd love to do an Ohio race, whether it's one of those three that we mentioned, like for sure I'll be doing one of those. Uh I think it would be cool to like um like as much as like Arlen's like the man, he's like so awesome. I think it'd be cool to like go after like one of Arlen's course records, um, which would be like cool one day. I mean, it'll take me years to do it. And uh, I, and I, and I do that as a sign of like, uh, man, I, I just like respect everything that guy's doing. And like, again, I aspire to, to do what he does. And so it would be cool to like go for one of those course records or race him. Yeah. That, that interests me for sure. And I'm sure you you you've seen those numbers. He's got some very nasty course oh, records. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, they're they're not attainable. Like <laughs> for me they, right now, for sure. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. That that's awesome. It's it's cool to hear. Kind of, I love that you've got your next seven eight years planned out. Uh, the foresight there is uh, it's impressive, man. Because you said it, you want to become one of the best ultra runners in the world, and and that's what it takes, right? You've got like you said before and earlier in the podcast, you have to have that belief. And if there's anything that I've picked up in our conversation tonight is my goodness, Joe, you've got that belief and it's, uh, it's just oozing out of you. And and quite honestly, it makes me want to run through a wall and just go. (laughs) And after I run through that wall, I want to run another hundred miles, you know? (laughs) So it's, uh, it's super encouraging to, uh, to me, but also to our listeners. So, so thank you for, for sharing that, um, to kind of wrap things up. I think we wanted to ask you just a little bit about the podcast. And and for those uh, who haven't heard Joe's podcast, it's uh, the Everyday Ultra Podcast. You can find it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, really anywhere that, that you know you can look for podcasts. Um, do, so your approach with that is you bring a lot of guests on, right? But you also have episodes where it's just you and you're talking about the most recent one was recovery. Uh, there was one about nutrition. There was one about how to pick your race schedule. Um, for you, what do you enjoy the most? Do you like really diving deep in on those specific topics or do you really enjoy more bringing on like, like Brett and kind of going on a deep dive with him? Uh, what kind of like, what's your passion there? Yeah, uh, it's such a great question, right? Cause I'm still trying to figure that out. I think I love them both, right? Like I, I love to learn, man. Like, I mean, like, and as you probably have heard me say the word learn, like through my journey and like, that's where like you make the change in your life. You make the change in your life through learning and applying that knowledge, right? Even like when you and I were on that call, like you were learning those things in terms of like how to build up a podcast and everything like that. And like, and you know, even for me, like I work with my coach, I learned so much from him. Every single con- uh, conversation on Everyday Ultra I learned something new. Like there's always something I'm learning from those conversations. And that's so exciting. Like when you get like a new piece of information in any field and you're like, wow, like this is going to help me like get to the goal that I want to do. That's so freaking exciting. It's like you like are playing a video game and you find like a, that piece of the puzzle that you're like looking for. And every, like, it's just, it's, it's literally like a one up on life. Like when you learn some things and I just get so, so excited about that. So that's why I love like speaking with the guests because I learned so, so much through that. And then I think that's why a lot of people like listen to the episodes with the guests too, because they learn as well. At the same time too, I also love um, sharing my journey. Um, For me, like one of the things that I particularly enjoy, I love to talk, as you can probably assume by my very elongated answers on this podcast, I love to talk. And so um, being on the Everyday Ultra podcast and having that solo cast kind of like sharing into my journey and everything, I love that as well, because it gets me to like express like what I'm doing in training out in real time. And what's interesting is a lot of those solo cast episodes, I don't prepare like a lot of things before. It's mostly me just kind of like talking through and just kind of like thinking through my own strategies and everything like that. And when I like verbalize a lot of those things, it kind of like contextualizes it for myself. I also know at the same time that when people are listening in, they're super curious about my journey as well. And I just want to be as open as possible to document this journey as much as possible, because like a lot of the times we see the end result and I don't want to go through like my entire career. Like if I ever get to that place, or I should say when I get to that place, when I'm a professional ultra runner, I don't want to lose that 
part of the journey of when I was building up. And I think that's like when you have the most like potent content and the most relatable content and everything like that. And so I just love sharing that journey and, and being on the mic as well. So I love them both equally as well. They both perform equally as well. It's super cool. We have like an awesome community that just like gets a kick out of both things as well. And, um, like, I'm super grateful that people like actually want to tune in and, you know, listen to my, you know, crazy ass, like goal that I'm going for here and just documenting the journey. And, um, again, there's so many more people who are more smart, more talented, more, uh, fit than me. And that's why I have the guests on the podcast. Cause if it was just me on there, it wouldn't have the maximal potential. And that's why like, I always try to bring on guests who are like, uh, definitely better at me, um, in, in multiple areas, uh, of not just running, but in life as well. And I learned so much along the way. Well, there's the plug, ladies and gentlemen, go find his podcast, the everyday ultra podcast. Don't just listen to it, subscribe it and, uh, send it to your friends. It's, uh, I promise you, uh, you're going to learn something. Um, Ryan, did you have anything else for Joe? No, Joe. Hey, go kill it, man. We're rooting for you and, uh, can't wait to see how it goes, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. No, I appreciate you both for having me on the podcast here. And like, I also want to just like leave things like a lot of, like you were saying, Caleb, before like, I'm going to send him a message. I don't know if he's going to respond or anything like that. Um, the reason why I do all these things is because I just want to serve the people who serve me. And so any, like you said, you listen to the podcast, we're a fan or everything like that. And so anytime, like someone, I have like a fan asking for a favor or anything like that, or anyone who listens to the podcast, like I'm always going to give back. And so like my, my thing, like listening here is like, like anyone listening, serve the people who serve you. And like, you get so much more fulfillment out of life is, is when you give back to the people who are giving to you. And so for you too, I mean, you two have given me this platform. It's amazing. I'm going to share this out to the masses for sure. And, you know, support you in any way that I can. And so anyone listening, uh, serve the people who serve you and you are ultimately going to have a super fulfilled life with that. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. And if you absolutely love the show and want to support us in any ways, there's a few ways that you can do so. The first way is writing us a review on the platform of your choice. Reviews really, really matter and they help us to spread the word a lot more. So if you have the time to do so, would love that as well. Number two, you can join our Patreon community. Patreon helps us to support the show and helps us to grow and invest into new developments and growth. And on top of that, just for about $5 a month, you can get access to monthly calls with me where you can ask me anything on a monthly basis, connect with other members in the Everyday Ultra community, and ultimately get early access episodes without ads as well, which is super, super cool, all for about $5 a month. So it's a great way to support us. And then number three is taking care of our sponsors on here. So as you heard in the beginning of the podcast, uh, we had some sponsors in here. And if you want to invest into their product and uh, go try them out, they're all products that I try either in my training and I live by. I don't take any sponsorships from anybody I don't incorporate in my training. So uh, feel free to take advantage of their product and tell them that Joe sent you from Everyday Ultra. Those are three ways to support the podcast, but no matter which way that you choose or if you don't choose a way at all, just know that I really appreciate you for listening in. I know there's tons of podcasts out there. The fact that you're listening to us, that really, really means a lot. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And remember, become a better endurance athlete every day. And we'll see you real soon. Take care.